Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Ezekiel chapter 33. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. And so let's consider the first five verses, if we will, tonight. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and he took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But verse 6 says, But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned. Think about that. And the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. It's a very heavy, sobering passage of Scripture. I have read Ezekiel 33 many, many times, certainly in my tenure as a pastor and shepherd. Tonight I want to preach about this watchman who in the most literal sense was a man or men that would serve their lives, serving their community, and watching after the citizens of that city. And they were in walled cities, and so it was, there was no ability to look out the door and see what may be coming down the road. You're in a protected environment. And so there was a watchman, not just a watchman, but a watchman on the wall with a visual advantage. And I believe that there is a spiritual principle that is true, that bleeds into the very day in which we are living, that God sets a watchman on the wall of our lives to preach the word. I believe that we do need messages of inspiration. And we live in a world that, uh, we live in a real world, a world where the rubber hits the road. Already been said tonight, amen, Brother Larry Newbern said it's been a long week and many of you resonated with that. It's just Wednesday, but we understand. And so we need messages of inspiration and a world that's filled with the pressures and the things that come along with just everyday life. It doesn't have to be something traumatic. It doesn't have to be something extraordinary. It can just be everyday life. We need messages of hope. We need those messages that build our faith, and those passages of Scripture to be renewed in our heart and our mind that reaffirms the 
the foundation upon which we stand. But we also need messages to warn us. What friend would we have that would not warn us if they saw imminent danger in our lives? I'm thankful for warnings. Amen. Thankful that people love you enough to sound a trumpet. And they love you enough to light a flare in some regard. And the Bible says they were to sound a trumpet or to sound the danger that was pressing down on them. And the scripture said if those citizens of the city, if they heard the trumpet or they heard the warning, and if they heed, would heed that warning, that they, would leave, that they would live. But if they refused to heed the warning, then they would die. And the responsibility of their death would be solely theirs. They were warned. The enemy came or whatever danger came and they lost their life. However, if you look at verse 6, it's very alarming. At least it is alarming for me. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. If the watchman sees danger, doesn't warn the people. Then the Bible says that that watchman becomes accountable. This is no longer the problem of the citizen. This is no longer the problem who innocently lost their lives. But now the watchman has to give an account. So let's just look at this progression if we can. First, Ezekiel is to hear the word of God. And then he is to speak those words that God gives him to speak. And so the idea here, at least for me, is this, that I first need to open my heart, my mind, and my ears to the voice of God for this congregation. Amen. I mean, this, this book is full. You could start anywhere, Genesis to Revelation, and you could read a few verses, and you could exhort on those few verses, and they would all be relevant, and they would all fit the context of someone's life. And so we could come to service and we could just begin January the 1st and Genesis 1 and we could just make a journey all the way through the Scripture. And I'm not suggesting that that would be lost time or wasted time. But the truth of the matter is is that time is one of the most valuable commodities that we have. And so I want to pray and ask God, not, Lord, it's Wednesday what would, what would you just have me to talk about? I want to say, Lord, Wednesday is coming. I want to know what you need to speak to us. What do I need to say? Amen. Uh, obviously, for every speaker, I think I can speak on behalf of every speaker. It would just be marvelous if every time you had a message that would just put people on their feet. and They would be just singing your praises every time service was over and things of that nature. Well, we would all love those warm and fuzzy moments if we could just live on that. But that's not really the real world. That's not what life is made up of. We've got to have the Word of God. And so I need to hear the things of God. But I first, I first must hear from God because there's a very simple, fundamental principle. You can't give away what you don't have. And so I want the Word of God to speak to me. Amen. The Bible says in Ezekiel 33, verses 8 and 9, When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, 
That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. This is pretty weighty. This is pretty serious matters at hand. Amen. He said, nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And so I, I don't know about uh, every church. I can't speak about every religion, but I can talk about the world of Pentecost. I believe that we truly believe that this is not a uh, lecturer-student atmosphere. Amen. That we believe there's far more going on here than just the sharing of some academic knowledge or the sharing of some principles. But we believe that there is a, that church and the ministry of the Word of God is spiritual conveyance. That there is something that is being cast, but that that's being cast must be caught. Amen. It must be caught in our heart. And so, so the, the scripture says we've got to warn if people, if they will receive that warning, then they will themselves be saved. But if they do not, if you don't warn and they don't turn from their way, they're going to die in their iniquity. But he said, but if you do this, then you have delivered your soul. Now, I don't know anything to do here tonight, but just to talk to you from my heart. Amen. I feel like there have been many, many times through the years that I have walked away from this pulpit or other pulpits that I had delivered what I felt God had laid on my heart. Perhaps in my mind, I thought it was going to unfold a little bit differently than it did. Maybe you think that somehow the service is going to end in a certain fashion or uh, we kind of get some preconceived ideas of what we think the end result of that may be. And so I'm just human. I'm made out of the same thing that you're made out of. And so there have been times that I have imagined a service ending differently than it ended. I was thinking that maybe more people would be moved to the altar. Or more people would be moved to prayer. Amen. I'm not here to judge whether people did the right or the wrong thing, but... In those moments, I've also had to lean on the last word or the last sentence of this verse. And that is, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And so if I could say this without not 1% of being pompous or arrogant, please do not receive it that way. But you see, I can't determine how people respond. And so there are nights, though I may be in my flesh or days or services or weeks that I may be disappointed in the outcome of something, but I have to close my Bible and walk out that door and get in my vehicle and drive home delivered of my soul because the responsibility left the pulpit and it went now into the heart of the listener. Amen. And it is up to us. And so that's why I, should, I say that church is a serious thing. It is a very serious thing. This is not where we should come and play games. This is not even where, you know, I understand there's a point in every child's life they can't hold on with attention, but I believe that children should be taught to pay attention in church. Amen. As much as possible, as much as you possibly can. Amen. I, I was a child too once. I promise you that and got into much, much, much mischief. So I don't think that I'm down the road and think somehow in rose-colored glasses that I was sprouting wings. But there is something going on in that service that's important. 
And they need to listen as much as they possibly can. We need to listen as much as we possibly can. There's a lot of distractions. And so I believe that pastoral ministry of a church has a responsibility of speaking forth the word of God. I'm talking about pastoral ministry tonight. Amen. I'm not talking about ministers in the church. I'm talking about as a pastor and a shepherd. Their job is not to correct you. Amen. Their job is not to try to fix things they see wrong. Their job is to help and assist in the ministry of the church. I'm talking from a pastor's perspective tonight. Amen. That all right? And so we, our, our responsibility is to speak forth the word of God, even those things that are difficult. My desire is to preach the truth of God, whether people want to hear it or not. Amen. And that's not always easy. That's not always easy. So Paul warned Timothy. And I, I, I know we're going to read a lot of familiar passages of Scripture tonight, but 2 Timothy 4 and 2, Preach the Word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Because he says, long before they could um, comprehend, long before we could understand, for the time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heat themselves to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into, into fables. That's Paul said this to Timothy long before it ever happened. Long before. He said, but there is coming a day. There is coming a time. Well, we're not mystified by that today. We're not confused. I wonder what Paul's trying to say. I, I wonder what he's trying to convey. We're not running around with a dictionary or a concordance or a commentary trying to figure out. We can look around us and see what Paul is saying. And so in Paul's last meeting with the Ephesian elders, that's recorded in Acts chapter 20, he spent three years teaching these people the things of God. Acts 20, 26, Wherefore I take it to you record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Now this is a powerful exit from a pastor's perspective okay I take to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men for I have not shunned to declare unto you the all the counsel of God amen now that would be a wonderful thing to be able to truthfully say at the end of your pastoral journey and especially if we compare this to Exodus 33 because he said, you have delivered your soul. You're not going to be guilty. And Paul said, I just want to go on record today that I am pure from the blood of all men. I have done everything that I know to do. So Paul was not guilty before God and fulfilling his, his uh, biblical or godly responsibilities toward man. So it was up to them, in other words, to take heed. He continues in verse 28. He said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all of the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Paul is speaking to shepherds. He's speaking to pastors. And, and he's telling them to feed or to shepherd the flock that God has given them. And so when we look at David and, and uh, we consider the, the life of David, certainly as a young man, we know him as a shepherd, uh, a physical shepherd. And we look at his love for the sheep as he watches over the fields. And then as David, even after he's no longer a shepherd, in much of his writings, writes in a reflective manner about his time as a shepherd. And so we see that shepherd's heart threaded all the way through the life, leadership, ministry, if we want to call that, 
of David, King David. We see that shepherd heart. We see that shepherd idea, that philosophy. I mean, he recognized that a shepherd is going to be needed to watch over a sheep. I read a story uh, early this morning about someone who was in another country and they were uh, touring and they saw a shepherd, they saw a man in a field with some sheep and, and uh, they saw how rough this man was treating uh, the sheep. He was, he was badgering them and, and, and uh, being very brutal to them. And, and one, one little small lamb made its way out of the flock and he just picked it up and he threw it back over into the flock and, and he just couldn't help himself. He just walked out to the field where this man was and he said, Sir, I have just absolutely never seen a shepherd that was treating their flock this way. I mean, the shepherd is always a, a man that would love them and leave the 90 and the 9 and go. And, and, and he said, I just can't believe how, how you're treating these sheep. How could you as a shepherd treat sheep this way? He said, because I'm not a shepherd. He said, I'm a butcher. <laughs> that was told to be a true story. But a shepherd is going to look out. They're going to warn. and it may not be always what people want to hear. And it may not be what you felt like you got dressed and drove to church for. But, but the word shepherd in the Greek carries the idea of not just feeding the sheep. But it also talks about guiding and, and leading and guarding them. And, and so Paul is trying to instill this in, the, in a pastor's heart. In Acts 20, 29, he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves come in or enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise. Of your own. Of your own. There's going to be some that are intruders. But of your own, there's going to be men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Where do these people come from? They come from... Right among the, uh, among the church. I'm not talking about necessarily the local church, but come among the body of Christ. Watch therefore, and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. That's what Paul says. I wasn't doing this out of obligation. This wasn't fulfilling a contract. I preached with tears. I preached through brokenness. And now, brethren, I commend you to God. And the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So Paul makes two important points here. He said first you're to watch out for the sheep because there are savage wolves who are out there to devour them. And secondly they are to warn the sheep because he said the the wolves can be dressed in sheep's clothing and can raise up to capture them. Now these are some of the responsibilities of pastors today. The watchmen. Amen. I I refused to... If I refuse to do that, if I refuse to warn, then I would not be a good watchman. I would not be a good shepherd. I would not be a good pastor. We're not talking about the ability to preach, the ability to have a decent presentation, the ability to rightly divide the word. We're not talking about uh, the ability to have uh, illustrations that make everything flow and connect and we start at one point and we get over here to a closing and everything kind of made sense. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a shepherd that through bitter tears says we've got to warn the sheep. We've got to sound that. Amen. I would be leaving the people that God entrusted me to be vulnerable to attack. Ezekiel 33 and 10 The Bible says, Therefore, O son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? 
we got to keep in mind that these people were ignoring the words that were spoken by the prophets of God. Amen. God had sent them prophet after prophet, message after message, warning after warning. Amen. But now they see everything that was being warned coming to pass. And they were ignoring it. They were marking it all off, writing it all off. Well, it's just Ezekiel again. He's just got up on the wrong side of the bed. Bless his heart. I guess him and Miss Ezekiel had a fuss on the way to church and taking it out on us. But now all of a sudden, the seed is starting to grow and they're starting to see. And when they did, they saw this is a hopeless situation. This is a hopeless. And they were ready to just give up and die. And they were developing a very sad perspective about God, really and truly, if you read the story. And tragically, many people feel the same way today and the day that we're living. But listen to what verse 11 says, and you can see the heart of God for sinful man. In verse 11 of Ezekiel 33, he says, Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. He says, turn ye, turn ye, twice, turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? God was reaching and then reaching and then reaching again. We have heard people perhaps say, use the phrase, that God is sending people to hell. I've heard people say things like that. That God is sending people to hell. But that is as incorrect as you can possibly get. Because hell is going to be made up of people that go there on their own. Amen. They're going to have, you're going to have to step over a lot of warnings. You're going to have to step over a lot of truth in order to go to hell. Amen. I have said this. It's been many years now perhaps. But I have said this sometimes in closing a service that if you walk out of this building without God today, you're going to have to step over 66 books of promises to get out of here. Amen. You're going to have to step over it. You're going to have to ignore a lot of things in order to be lost. Jesus said in Matthew 18 and 11, For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. He didn't, he, God is not sending people to hell. He came to reconcile the world to Himself. He came to save them that were lost. He's done everything possible. Everything went in His power to save man. So Calvary's purpose was to pay the penalty for the sins uh, for sin. And so if we reject Calvary, then we are going to die in our sins. And I'm just going to say tonight, amen, to us that are here, to those who may join us, if we reject the truth of Calvary, and if we reject the truth of God's Word, we will, you will, I will die in my sins, and I will spend an eternity in a lake of fire. That is the gospel truth. That is not me. Amen. This is in this book. Amen. We are living in a world today that don't talk about hell. They don't think about hell because nobody's going to hell. But somebody's going to hell and I don't want it to be me. Amen. So the consequences of that is going to be found in this fact that we only have ourselves to blame. Or we only have ourselves to credit for where we spend eternity. That decision is going to be made by us. So make mistake, no mistake about it. God is just. God is fair. God's not sending anybody to hell. David said in Psalms 98 and 9 that God is going to judge with righteousness and God is going to judge with equity. Amen. God's going to do what's right. You can count on God 
Man will let you down. Amen. I can let you down. I probably, I'm sure I have let you down at some point over the years. But God is pure and He's going to judge with righteousness and He is going to judge with equity. And so the question at hand for all of us here tonight, the question at hand is what have we done with the truth of God's word that we've heard? What, do I, what have I done with God's truth that I already know? Not that that I don't understand or not that that you know people get lost in the things that they I don't understand this, I don't understand that. But the before you try to understand more, the question is what are we doing with what we know? I need to live out what I know. And so we're not just accountable for what we know, but we're accountable for what we had the opportunity to know. Because if you're just accountable for what you know, it would just be easy to just stay ignorant. I'm not being crass. I'm being honest. And so we're going to be accountable for what we had the opportunity to know. If I had an opportunity to be in a Bible study. If I had an opportunity to sit at the Word of God. If I had an opportunity to sit at the feet of the Lord. And I didn't take advantage of that opportunity. I'm going to be accountable for that. That's what. Amen. So after this. It's interesting. And I don't want to get lost in all of this. But I think this is so sobering. And I must. I would just be remiss if I didn't mention this. That, that at some point in all of this. In the book of Ezekiel. At some point in all of this, the Bible talks about that the Lord made Ezekiel mute. He could not speak. Do I have your attention? I hope so. Because it's important to understand this. That after we read about Ezekiel not being able to speak, we read about him speaking. And so we can get really confused. And say, how is it that the Lord said, I'm going to make you unable to speak, and yet you're speaking. And so here's the answer to that. Amen. He was unable to speak, but he was only unable to speak to the children of Israel. Ezekiel was still speaking judgments against Gentile nations that surrounded Israel. He was still... Uh, he was still prophesying and still speaking a lot of things to others around them. But God made him mute to the very people that would not hear him. Now that's a frightening thing. That is a frightening thing. And so I hope tonight what we feel in the course of this service is the weight. If, if we could draw a seesaw in your mind. Amen. A moment ago we are talking about the weight that if I don't sound the trumpet and something happens in your life, that I'm going to be accountable for that. The seesaw comes down here. I feel the weight of that tonight. But I hope we feel that pendulum swing back just a little bit. That if we don't heed the word of God, God said, if you don't want to hear my man, if you don't want to hear Ezekiel, then I will make him mute to you. My Lord, have mercy. Sinners will hear him. The world out there, they'll hear him, but you won't hear one thing that he says. Amen. Some, uh, you know, he was silent for some times. There's different opinions about how long. That's not really even the point, whether it was months or a few years or seven years, whatever. I think either way, it's frightening to think that God would silence his appointed mouthpiece for any amount of time if it wasn't but for three minutes. 
Amen. Can you imagine what would happen if we were in this service tonight? I know what happened a moment ago because the mic went out. But if you can imagine what would happen in this service if all of a sudden you couldn't hear and the preacher was preaching but you couldn't hear the Word of God but somebody else in the building was hearing it, you would be looking around wondering what's wrong with me. That would be a frightening thing to think that God has an anointed mouthpiece in my midst and I can't hear Him and I muted Him through my own disobedience. My goodness, it's a frightening thing, a very frightening thing. And so if we could just consider for a moment that in the context of this scripture, Jerusalem has now fallen and it, it has taken several months for a messenger uh, to make it to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Babylon because it was about a 700 or so mile journey. And so this one lone messenger is trying to, he's trying to get the word out that, that everything that's been prophesied, it's, it's true. It's, it's really re- real. And finally he makes it. And as he arrives, when he arrived, God opened the mouth of, of Ezekiel to once again speak forth the truth of God to the Jewish people. And you can read this in verses 23 and 24. And so this messenger makes it out. You, we have to, to get the whole story. We kind of have to go back and forth. Amen. Between a couple of books here. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But, but here's a messenger that makes his way back to let them know that this man is no false prophet. This man's been telling the truth. And when he comes in with a message, God unmutes Ezekiel. And he begins to speak to them. Amen. The Babylonians had leveled the city and they had taken most of the people into captivity leaving just a few, just a few, just leaving a remnant. And the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had placed a man as a governor over the people. But the Jews that remained in the land, they were so wicked. Amen. They, they were wicked. Amen. The good ones were taken captive into Babylon. And that may sound horrible, but God was taking a remnant. God was preserving him some in Babylon because he wasn't finished with them yet. And he was going to do a mighty work through them and bring them back to the land once again. But the wicked ones who remained with the man that Nebuchadnezzar had placed in charge. Amen. The wicked ones that remained, they killed the man that Nebuchadnezzar put in charge of them. They killed the governor. Now the people are, are worried. They're thinking, <laughs> We're, we may be next. What's going on here? In Jeremiah 42 and 43, and that's where I was saying you, we got to go back kind of back and forth between these books to get the whole story. Amen. They, they went, they're, they're frightened now because they've rose up and they, they've killed the man that was in charge of them. And they're, they're scared out of their minds. And they're thinking, we, gotta, we need to hear from God. You with me in the story? And so they go to Jeremiah, another prophet of God. And they ask Jeremiah, give us some counsel. Give us some word. And Jeremiah tells them, you don't need to go to Egypt. You need to stay right where you are. God has this. Everything is going to be all right. Amen. And so we could see this as a positive sign. Man, these people are waking up. And God's got their attention and, and they're seeking God's counsel. But when Jeremiah said, don't go to Egypt, you need to stay right here. There was one lone spokesman in the very beginning verse, or verses at least, of chapter 43, I believe it is. And this one voice, this one person spoke up and said to the Jeremiah, thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God has not sent thee to say, go not to Egypt to sojourn there. <laughs> I may have lost you in the King James all right? They said, we have got to do something. Somebody go get Jeremiah. Wake him up. We've got to get a word from the Lord. They get Jeremiah. Jeremiah comes. He clears his throat. And he says, don't go to Egypt. You need to stay in this land. 
And somebody rises up in the crowd and said, you're a liar. Amen. That wasn't so kind because it wasn't King James, right? Thou speakest falsely. The Lord didn't tell us that. Amen. Even though all Jeremiah had to say had already come to pass, they refused to listen to him. Amen. Just like God said, they ran down to Egypt and they were destroyed by the Babylonians because their rebellion drove them out and it finally destroyed them. And so in verses 25 and 26, God reminds them that they were living contrary to his law and yet they expect God to bless them. Somehow, they just expect God to bless them. Amen. The Bible does say that God calls it to rain on the just and the unjust, but God is not bound by that law. God can pour something out just on the just, or God can pour something out just on the unjust. Amen. And so oddly, if we're not careful, we can think that somehow our own actions, whether they're good or whether they're bad, bring the blessings or the curse, but I believe that it's all in the hands of God. And so in verses 27, verse 28, and verse 29, you read over those verses of Scripture, and what we see is that God is purging the land because of the wickedness that has infiltrated it. And then God is going to bring back that remnant. He's going to bring them back, and God is going to rebuild with them. I know we've made quite a long journey here tonight. I'll ask our musicians to come, but please don't pre-dismiss because... I've got something very sobering to share with you. I want to look at verses 30 and 31 because they have always been very interesting and and if not frightening to me. Because up to now, when you read about the people in Ezekiel, and I know I, I mentioned this I think just a few services ago, but up Till now, in this passage of Scripture, the people had mocked Ezekiel. They, they, they just mocked him. They ridiculed him. They refused to listen to him. They laughed at him. Ezekiel 2, chapter 2, and Ezekiel chapter 3, you can read uh, this narrative, and I've referred to it many times, that the Lord said to Ezekiel, I'm sending you to a stiff-necked people. I'm sending you to a hard-headed people. But he said, but I'm going to make your head like flint. I'm going to make you hard-headed as well. Amen. They're stubborn, but I'm going to make you more stubborn. They're hard-headed, but I'm going to make your head harder. And, and, and he says to Ezekiel, he said, if they hear you, they hear you. And then the scripture says, if they forbear, they forbear. If they hear you, they hear you. If they reject you, they reject you. And that's, that's kind of hard marching orders. Somebody's saying, I want, you to, I want you to go do something for me, and you may or may not succeed. <laughs> and then the Lord said, all this that they might know there was a prophet in their midst. And so I know I, I've heard, you've heard me say this many times through the years, or I assume you would remember that, that in judgment, God was going to need a voice. When somebody said, I didn't know, he's going to be able to call Ezekiel out and say, you remember you remember this man. And amen. And so they would not hear him. And so now everything that Ezekiel's been prophesying was going to happen starts happening. Their world is falling apart quickly. And all of a sudden they turned and they did a 180. And they said, This man is a prophet. This man is a prophet of God. Suddenly, the culture seemingly, the culture changes 
dramatically. And now not only did they want to hear Ezekiel, but it, was, it became a popular thing to hear Ezekiel. It was entertaining, and, and the Bible talks about that they love the speaking and they love the singing. Amen. It's in your Bible that, that they love this. But that it never changed their life. And so I want to read Ezekiel 33, 31. The Bible says, and they come to see thee. This is talking about Ezekiel. They come to see thee as the people cometh. And they sit before thee as my people. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. It's going to look like a church. It's going to feel like a church. It's going to sound like a church. You're going to get up in the pulpit and preach, and they're going to sit out there, and they're all going to smile, and they're all going to look at, back at you. And in the world of Pentecost, we could say it this way. They're going to say amen in all the right places, and they're going to give you one of those all in the right places. But he said, they're going to hear your words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after covetousness. Verse 32, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on the instrument, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. This is serious. This is so serious. And when he cometh to pass, lo, he said, it will come. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. Amen. I have no doubt referred to this before. And if I have, I make no apology because it's such a profound message. Many, many, many years ago now, Brother Paul Mooney preached a message at a general conference entitled the Pope Mobile. The view, the view from the Pope Mobile. And this message was spawned, the thought of this message was spawned from the fact that weeks prior to the general conference, the Pope had been in Indianapolis. And so Brother Mooney went downtown like thousands and thousands of other people. And people were gathered all around. It was kind of like the president coming to town. And I, I say this without any any negative reflection I'm just sharing something and so the the Pope is in what he referred to not cynically but the Pope mobile kind of like the president coming to town and people by the thousands are just trying to get to wave and they're just trying to see him and and so from the cheers of the people it sounds as though that this is the greatest thing that ever happened. The Pope is in town. And they were there to support their spiritual leader. And so thousands of people are just pressing to just try to get a view and just somehow wave. But the truth of the matter. And Brother Mooney had all kind of statistics about how many people didn't even believe what he taught. But the view from the Pope Mobile, these people are with me. These people love this. Amen. Can I talk about the view from the Pope Mobile tonight? That sometimes in our apostolic services, that 
that people are just, they're just there and it's great and it's wonderful. But what are we going to do when we get up and walk out of this building? The Bible says they love to see you and they love to hear you, but they will not do what you're teaching. They will not do what... Are, are you with me tonight? Hey Amen. I'm talking about the watchman on the wall. This is not about how many amens we can get or how many views we can get online. This is not about how many people come to the altar at the end of the service. We want all of those things. But what really is this is all about is lives being changed. I know I mentioned this just a few weeks ago, but, but churches are filled with people who like to hear what's being said. Week after week they come and they go, but their life is not changed. Amen. And I, I'm just not talking about sinners tonight. Amen. I'm talking about church people whose lives will not change. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter. Amen. What this pastor says doesn't matter. What the pastor doesn't matter. What's being preached. I'm going to do what is. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. This is dangerous ground, because what most what must happen what must happen is that there must be first. I mentioned this in the very beginning that I first have got to hear. I'm saying I, as a pastor of this church, I got to hear the word of God. I got to get from God, from God a word, not for this just for this church, but for this night, for this very service. Amen. I'm going to make this confession before I knew better. Before I knew better as a young pastor. I would feel the Lord had given me something. And I might get to church on Wednesday night and there might be but a few people there. And I'm thinking, I better save that for Sunday. I'm confessing. And we'll, we'll give time for you to confess before you leave tonight. So just hang out. I'm confessing. I'll, I'll just make you save this for Sunday. And I'll never will forget the Lord revealed to me I, I, I gave you a message for that night because I knew who was going to be there that night and not just that same person may be back there Sunday but their heart they may be in a different place in their heart and their spirit I gave you a message for that night this church right now amen so that's why I don't care if it shows that's why amen I don't mean to say that it doesn't matter how many's here or whatever I don't mean it that way I wish everybody was here every service but I don't get up here and look out there and decide what I'm going to preach amen if God gave me something and there's 12 people sitting out there I'm not just going to preach it I'm going to preach it like it's the last time I've ever going to hold this microphone because I've got a responsibility I've got to have my soul Delivered. When I walk out that door, I gotta know that I did what God said. I don't know what they did. I don't know what they're gonna do with it, but I've got to do what you said to do. Amen. I hope this is all right. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> let's let's stand. Let's stand. And so instead of people just saying at the end of a service, that was a great message, what people really need to be saying is God spoke to me tonight. And God pierced my heart tonight. And I've got to do something about this tonight. Amen. Amen. So may God's word always go forth in power. And change. Because you see. If God's word isn't the agent of change. Please hear me. If God's word is not the agent of change in our lives then you will be swept away by winds of doctrine that blow through. You will be. We can poke our chest out and say, I've been apostolic for 40 years. It won't matter. 
if we do not allow the word of God to continue to change, we can be swept away and will be swept away. Amen. So you watch this progression happen all the time. Somebody says, well, I don't just think it matters how you dress. I don't think it matters where you go. I don't think it matters what you do. I've been doing this a long time, and I feel authorized to say what I'm fixing to say. I didn't start preaching yesterday. And I'm not angry, and we haven't fussed. We've had a wonderful day. But some say, well, I'm just going to let go of this, but I'm going to hold on to the doctrine. No, no, no. It's all doctrine. There's not two doctrine compartments. Because the first thing the enemy wants to take away is separation. But hear me. I'm not telling you what I think might happen. I'm not telling you what I think could possibly happen. I'm telling you what I've lived long enough to see. That one generation may hold on to some degree of water baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues. But there will come another generation behind them. Because I taught on it just a few Wednesday nights ago. That if it becomes an inconvenience to you, it will be a nuisance to the next generation. So then after a while, we're not talking about dress. After a while, we're not talking about worldliness. Because once you start moving the line, where are you going to stop moving the line? Does it really matter if you say Jesus when you baptize? Does it really matter? A trend that has swept through. This is not anything new. But how is this for compromise? I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. So we can just try to appease both worlds. I believe that that statement is true. I believe that is the name of Jesus. But can somebody please tell me what's wrong with the name? You open a service in the name. You close a service in the name. You pray over prayer cloths in the name. You lay hands on people in the name. But you won't baptize in the name? Amen. There's, amen. God help us. Because I'm telling you, once you start moving, I ask you, where are you going to stop? Where will it stop? Sadly, it generally doesn't. And there arose another generation that knew not God, nor the things He had done for Israel. And all of us, are only this far away from people that are kin to you, are friends of yours, who have children who know nothing about this. Because one generation said, I don't know if this is important or not. Amen. This is important. I know I went a long time here tonight, but many years ago I heard a pastor say, he said, I have come to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> Suppose that's been my job tonight. 
But Isaiah 55 and 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void. But it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper the thing which I sent it. And so I want us to have a church that is a transforming church. Amen. Not just a church where people can just come and be have their ears tickled. Amen. We want... And we're going to be kind and we're going to be gentle and we're going to be generous and we're going to be loving. But we need a trans, always, we need to be a transforming church. I want to close with this, I promise you. Acts 2, while Simon Peter spoke these things, they were pricked in their heart. Amen. I'm not saying this to minimize home Bible studies by any stretch of imagination. They never had a home Bible study. They never been a prayer meeting. They never been out to eat. They never been a part of a connect group. Are you with me now? It was just the preaching. Prick their heart. And I'm for all the above. I just named. We support all of those things. Amen. So I'm asking you tonight to pray for me as your pastor. And to pray for everyone that stands behind this sacred desk. That God will anoint his messengers. But. Also pray that God will anoint those that are in the pews. And let that begin with me. Let that start at my house, Lord. Let me always be moved by the word of God. Let's magnify the Lord in this song. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.